The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Here we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, I promise you're in the right place. Our topic today, getting them and keeping them. Sounds a little bit like a Western. I'm not sure what we're getting to keep. And you're not sure, but I know exactly. And let me tell you, the buzzword on the street today is values. Let's get started. Does your corporate culture tell your current employees, you know the ones on the payroll, whether they're full-time, whether they're contingent workforce, wherever they are, and your future workforce, and just close your eyes for a second, envision the ones you're going to need to hire in the next one to three years, the prospects, the ones in that pipeline, whether you know it or not, who may be joining your workforce. Well, are you telling them that you can help them achieve what we believe they value most today? They want a better life balance. We used to talk about work-life balance. Now we've morphed into work-life integration because it's never really going to be balanced, but wouldn't that be nice? And they're not really seeking just more money. Of course, money pays the bills, but they have other values. Well, if you're not telling them, it's not too late, but you're going to have to get started telling them now. And if you are telling them, you need to get that marketing message out to these potential hires, the ones coming down the pike who you really, really want, the future top talent. Question on the table, you might ask yourself, what would make me want to join my own company if I weren't already working there? Or to our audience, what would make any of us want to join your company? We have a panel of experts ready to go, helping us figure this all out. It's a big issue, and we're going to work our way through it. So first up, I'd love to welcome a new panelist to Game Changers Radio. Her name is Kiersey Polinen, and I'm going to spell her last name because I bet you're going to want to look her up. P-A-A. L-A-N-E-N, Polinen is how it's pronounced, and she's the founder of a company called My Orange Villa, and she will tell us in a few minutes what that's all about. And Kiersey has provided a quote from Henry Ford, you know, the founder of the Ford Motor Company, talk about a company that told people what it expected from them, and here's the quote, anyone who stops learning is old, whether at age 20 or 80, anyone who keeps learning stays young. The greatest thing in life is to keep your mind young. Amen to that. I think we're all going to preach to the choir here. Kiersey Polinen, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Bonnie. I'm really excited to be on this show today. We are delighted. I want you to talk about the quote, but I'm sure people are scratching their heads and saying, My Orange Villa? Never heard of a company. Why don't you just give us the two-sentence elevator talk about what does your company do, Kiersey? Sure. 
So what I do is I, I help companies increase employee productivity, and that also has an impact on employee engagement and retention. Perfect, and that's why you're here today. Thank you very much. That was brief and to the point. Now tell me, let's talk about this Henry Ford quote. Henry Ford lived so much before you were even born so many years ago. I love the idea that staying young is keeping your mind young and learning. So how does that relate to our topic about corporate culture, Kiersey? Oh, gosh, in so many ways. Um, well, two parts. One part is really about about being open and curious. So when you think about it, if we didn't learn in society, if we didn't learn while we were, you know, working in our job or um, going up the ladder in our career, where would we be? I mean, we would still be cavemen to me. We wouldn't understand what a wheel is. We wouldn't be evolving and um, making the world a better place. And the second way, when you look at it, and this is something that comes up a lot in corporations that I talk to, is this element of fear. If you have a culture where you're fearful of making mistakes, then that doesn't really help you evolve. Well, I know companies now that are actually embracing that. They're embracing failure and mistakes. The point here is when you learn, and what Henry Ford is saying is, learn from those mistakes, too. It's great to embrace them, but you have to improve upon them. So that's the way I look at that quote, and that's why I've chosen it for today's show. Thank you very much. Good introduction, and thank you for telling us about what you do. Very important. And let's bring on our second panelist, also a newbie to Game Changers Radio. She's Caitlin Heckett, H-E-C-K-E-T-T, and her first name is K-A-T-E-L-Y-N-N, just the way it sounds, not the other way of spelling Caitlin. This one is real. She is with Deloitte Consulting, LLP, and I have to do a shout-out to our wonderful friends at Deloitte. We know Carla Neal and Amanda Bush and all kinds of people who help find wonderful panelists for us. So, Caitlin, uh, we're delighted to have you on. I know you're very new to Deloitte, and we hope this is great for you. Caitlin sent me an interesting quote from a professor of hers. It's Dr. Robert Pavor, P-A-V-U-R. He's a professor in the professor in the IT and Decision Sciences Department at the University of North Texas. And here is the quote. Learning in the age of technology means we must learn tomorrow's skills today. Well, that's a stretch. Caitlin, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, and I'm so excited to be here on the show. We are, too. You know, you're following in a long line of Deloitte thought leaders who have been and will be on Game Changers Radio, so we're very happy to welcome you. So tell me, interesting quote, Dr. Robert Pavor obviously made an impression on you. Why don't you relate that to our topic about values in the workplace today and in the future? Caitlin? Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, this is a quote from one of my favorite professors, and it just really resonated with me and really stuck with me through the years because I think that it falls so true, not only just in technology, but just in the workforce in general. Um, My grandfather used to tell me that the man who says he knows everything is always wrong, so I think that there's always so much you can look towards the future and so much you can learn. So if you can really kind of look towards the future and identify the next big trends in technology or the next big trends in the workforce or what's going to be the next big deal, then I think that you can really set yourself up for success. So I think that it relates well not only in the um, realm of technology, but also in looking at the workforce today and what's going to be the needs of tomorrow and how we can really address those issues. So that's why I, I chose this quote. It's something that I hold dear to my heart as I start my career. 
Great. And you're off to a good start, I would say. I don't know too many young people who have a favorite quote like that who are looking toward the future already so early in their career. Caitlin, welcome and delighted to have you. And let's bring on our panelist extraordinaire who shows up very, very frequently because she sponsors this show. It's Sherry Ann Meyer, the expert for human resources, business processes, and technology at ASUG. That's America's SAP Users Group. Sherry Ann loves the movies. If you haven't listened to any of these series or when she was a guest on Coffee Break with Game Changers, our flagship series. She loves A League of Their Own. She loves The Wizard of Oz. She loves all kinds of movies. But today, Sherry Ann has brought me a quote from Tess McGill. Okay, kids, stop scratching your head. Melanie Griffith portrayed Tess McGill in 1988. I know some of you weren't even born then. The movie was Working Girl. Let me just give you a little background here. A savvy New York City receptionist. Yeah, we used to call them receptionists or secretaries, Tess McGill gives her conniving boss, I won't use the B word, Catherine Parker, played by the one and only towering Sigourney Weaver, an excellent business tip. And guess what? The boss steals the idea and doesn't give credit to Tess McGill. So after the boss breaks her leg, winds up in the hospital, Tess gets revenge. How? She pretends to be the boss, and she initiates a major deal with Harrison Ford, woohoo, an investment broker, and then the boss finds out what Tess did, and all you know what breaks loose. So here's the quote. Here's the quote. I knew You knew I'd get to it eventually, Sherry Ann, but it was too good not to mention it. And by the way, there's a theater in New York, I think, that is still playing the movie. What can I tell you? Here's the quote. No, I'm trying to make it better. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life working my ass off and getting nowhere just because I followed the rules that I had nothing to do with setting up. Okay? Sherry Ann, I love your movie quotes. <laughs> Welcome back to your own series. How are you, Sherry? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. Wonderful. I, you never run out of movies and quotes. Do you spend your, your free time looking at movie trivia, or do you memorize these? Tell me where you find these great things. I have a few really favorite movies. This is one of them. Nine to Five is another one sort of in the same realm um, where uh, my heroines, my female heroines, um, deserve to be quoted. <laughs> well, this one certainly did. So what is Tess trying to say in the context of our show today, Sherry Ann, about getting them and keeping them future workforce? Who's coming down the pike that you will need to hire? And how do you tell them that you'll help them achieve or fulfill their values? Talk to me. Uh, so, so much about this is, resonates and builds upon what Caitlin said and Kiersey said. Um, you know, Tess is going to school at night, um, and so she's a continual learner. And this is 1988, and yet... In the environment in which she's in, which was Wall Street, um, she's still having trouble being recognized as a strong female um, that can really, you know, make some good decisions and make some money. Um, and so I think it's interesting that she finds that she has to keep working and working and working her way up. And when she finally pretends to be something she's not really um, and fills in for her boss, she has some success. So there, there's some things behind that, like, you know, about appearance and who we are and who we're seen to be, um, but also about the ability to wanting to be independent and wanting to keep trying and learning. And I think she was very representative of the generation of women that we have in the workforce today, and she was ahead of her time in 1988, probably. 
She certainly was. She was strong. I know she was very independent. The The movie did have its humor. Melanie Griffith has a wonderful vacuuming scene. I won't go into detail, but if you saw it and you remember that one, I think she made history as uh, as her, her vacuuming attire. Let's just say that. Very, yeah. very interesting. Uh, it was a provocative movie, and it was talking about that young upstart. And, and Sherry Ann, I'm not going to get into politics, but I mentioned this as a side remark on one of our earlier shows today. Uh, some people say they rose from secretary, quote unquote, to CEO, right? And some did. And this character, Tess McGill, was basically living the life of somebody who started as a quote unquote bottom rung, maybe a nobody, no recognition. Nobody wanted to hear her ideas. And she, what's the expression, Sherry Ann? Fake it till you make it. Well, she faked it and she made it and she faked it as made it as a fake. So very interesting. Um, I wonder how many people would get away with that today. Do you think there are any chances of that movie being real life today, Sherry Ann? Oh, I think there's still a chance for that to happen, um, especially with social media and the way we are connected so much globally today. It's very possible that you could have a strong connection with someone that you've never actually met in person. Okay. You know what? It's time for me to circle back to Kiersey Pollanen. And Kiersey, I know you prepared for this. This is a little segment of storytelling. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better. So what are you drinking right now? What time of day? Where are you calling from? And what's in your cup right now? Or what are you planning to drink after we're off the air? Kiersey? Okay. Well, this is one of my favorites, I what I have in the afternoon, and it's ginger lemon green tea. I mm. love myself. Yeah. I love my health. I love my body, and I want to respect it. So this is something I know is good for it. It's good for my brain. It's good for my immune system, et cetera. The benefits just go on and on. Um, but when we talk about learning, even, obviously the brain is the organ for that, and that's something that I definitely want to uh, nurture and nourish. So green tea definitely does the job. So is there a special recipe for this? Is it hot? Is it cold? Do you brew? Is the ginger part of the tea bag? Or how do you get that in there? Oh, that's a great question. Um, You know, I I learned this back in the day when I used to be in the corporate world. I had a British boss, and she said that tea has to be just right. Like, the the temperature has to be just right. So it's below boiling. (laughs) So it can't be boiling water that you put in the, the cup with the tea bag got to be just like a, a smidge below if that makes sense it, it does make so sense and we a had a expert yeah yeah well we had a, a gentleman uh, a brit on a ra- one of our radio shows about four years ago who gave us a lecture on exactly what kind of china to brew your tea in how hot the water had to be and he said americans have no idea how to make a cup of tea and he called traditional right. tea bags he called tea bags dusty tea i'll just let you sit with that thought so thank you Kirsty. appreciate that be healthy caitlin heckett where are you calling from and what are you drinking Yes, I'm calling from Dallas, Texas this afternoon, and I'm having a cup of delicious Brazilian coffee. So I actually, it's my very favorite. It's called Three Hearts Traditional Cafe, and my very dear friend who comes to visit me from Brazil every year, she brings it to me every year, so she has to bring enough for the whole year. But I absolutely love it, and just kind of a funny side note about this coffee. The first time I went to Brazil, I didn't realize how much stronger Brazilian coffee was than American coffee. And I tried to, being a coffee enthusiast, I tried to drink it all day like the locals, morning, afternoon, and night. And I kind of overdosed myself on caffeine and didn't sleep in the first first three days of my trip. So but since then, I've learned to drink responsibly, and I carry on the tradition of a cup of Brazilian dark roast after lunch. 
I love that drink responsibly talking about coffee. I think that's a first on our show. That was a gem. Thank you very much. I'm going to have to tweet that, but just give me a little bandwidth here until I get around to it. Sherry Ann, good coffee, good good tea, good recipe so far. What are you drinking today? Oh, I've got this great tea that I found um, in the store recently. It's Tulsi is the brand. It's called Holy Basil. It's a green tea also. <laughs> But I don't know if it's just because it's written on the package or if because this is really true. It's stress-relieving and empowering. And I've started having this in the afternoon to energize myself, and I find it works. I love that. And energizing is something you have to do because this series is on, well, I'm in New York and it's 2 p.m. Eastern, so we're a little bit late in the day for, for most of our live radio shows. I'm glad you're energized, especially that you're awake. So our topic today, we are talking around it, about it. The topic is getting them and keeping them. Are you aware of the value system of your current employees? Have you asked them? And the people you're going to need to hire, and we emphasize the word need, you're going to need to hire in the next one to three years because of the future vision of your company and what your goals are and your plans are and how your marketplace is changing and how technology and innovations are making you change. Yes, disruptions we're talking about. What are the values they have and can you meet those values so that they want to come and work for you? Once you get them in the door, how do you keep them? We have a lot more to talk about. We're speaking today with Kiersey Polinen, founder of My Orange Villa. We're speaking with Caitlin Heckett at Deloitte Consulting. Shout out to Deloitte. And Sherry Ann Meyer at ASUG. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm going to go have a sip of my filtered water with my pretty pink straw. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The world of work is changing faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly human resources can adapt and lead through accelerated ongoing change. A corporate culture that embraces differences and innovation is among the top winning strategies for business success. How can human resources shape such a culture in their organizations? One that is moving forward in step with business development, acquisitions, mergers, digitally demanding employees and customers, and changing workforce dynamics. Join our experts as they share game-changing ideas and strategies for leading business success through the next millennium. Game Changing HR Leaders is presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group's Recharge HR. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing HR Leaders. Presented by SAP, America's SAP Users Group's Recharge HR. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game-changing HR leaders. And 
we certainly are talking to game-changing HR leaders. No matter where you are in the world, what industry, what your company does, how big, small, mature, or newbie your company is, you really want to think about this topic. How do you get the best talent in the door, and then how do you keep them? So our topic is getting them and keeping them. I know, a little cliche. Maybe maybe it's going to become a cliche. I think it's a Meyerism. We're going to start Sherry and Meyerisms because she's got some good <laughs> topics here. So let's get started. Kiersey Polinen from my orange villa is going to start off the round table and let's get right down to brass tacks here as we used to say that's a phrase that predates you Kiersey and Caitlin as well you tell me in your notes you say many initiatives to retain talent are not enough one important piece of the puzzle is managing expectations which are the unwritten rules a lot of things to talk about there Kiersey why don't you get us started please oh absolutely this is one of my favorites uh, one thing that I see happening a lot in what's becoming a trend these days is companies talk about giving unlimited time off or maybe unlimited vacation. And when you really look into it, how many employees do take them up on that offer? So this is going back to what this, this what you just said, Bonnie, is managing expectations. People come into the company thinking, oh, I can take as many days as I want off where I have all this unlimited vacation. But when they step into the role and when they step into the job, they realize there's just so much. Um, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of deadlines. They just can't take the time off. Um, and that can come in many ways. That message can come in many ways. So, for example, their boss doesn't really encourage it. Or, for example, they see what's happening around them. None of their other colleagues are doing it, so why would they? So there's many ways that this can come become a problem. I actually just had a roundtable where an executive said that if she gets the email from her CEO while the CEO is on vacation, she has the expectation that's what she needs to do when she's on mm. vacation. So she can't really pop properly unplug. So, you know, it's these little things that do add up, add to stress and add to um, unsatisfied employees who eventually will rather go to another place where this would be possible. Very interesting. Let's just dial this up one notch, if you don't mind, Kirstie, and talk about culture. Uh, we, we talked on an earlier show today, we talked about performance management, our old time or even two-year-old performance management practices working anymore in our culture of innovation and disruption and the new mantra with employees. Well, we hired you for this, but now we're going to put you in a design thinking think tank and you get to fail fast and fail often. How do you measure that? And we talked about how culture comes from the top in most cases, are the right people in HR. So I would ask you the question in terms of what you just described, a great example, Kiersey, um, the leadership that I have to be plugged plugged in even when I'm on vacation. What does that say? Is that one of the unwritten rules you have to be on the lookout for? And if you ignore it, are you doomed? Any thoughts on that? You know, I think that's a great question. Uh, what this one other company is doing to, to actually tackle this issue is putting out a two-pager on these unwritten expectations so that a person, in the case of a CEO, would write out, even if I do this, even if I email you while I'm on vacation, doesn't mean that I expect it from you, if that's what they truly don't expect. You see what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's really sometimes just a matter of spelling that out, making it very clear to people so there's no second guessing and there's no frustration. 
I like that. No second guessing. And the important word there, no frustration. If we could only, as my grandmother used to say, you should live and be well. I think Sherry Ann might get that one. Caitlin Heckett, thoughts on what Kiersey just introduced? What's your experience or what are your thoughts? Yeah, so Kiersey um, kind of just elaborated on managing expectations, especially when it comes to paid time off and those kinds of things. But I would like to expand a little bit about managing expectations on the job. When I think about managing expectations, I really think about the three C's, clarity, communication, and confidence. So I think that um, kind of speaking from an employee point of view, using clarity, it's important to understand from the beginning, whether that's on a project or just on your job, understanding exactly what is expected of you. Also, communication. So I think that it's very important to be able to communicate with leadership, engage your progress, and make adjustments when it's necessary. And finally, confidence. I think it's important as an employee and an employer to be able to communicate and for an employee to have confidence to speak up whenever um, expectations are unrealistic. If you think that you're not going to be able to plug in every time you're on PTO or things like that, I think it's important to have the confidence to speak up and let that be known. So if you can um, clarify, communicate, and have confidence, I think that that really allows employees to feel like they're able to produce and deliver what is expected of them, and it really leads to greater employee satisfaction and retention. Wow, that was a mouthful, and I'm, qu- I'm uh, quoting you on a tweet here. Clarity, communications, and confidence to allow employees to be, what's the rest of that sentence there? Allow employees to be valued, to want to stay? Well, how would we cap that? Right. Uh, maybe to produce and deliver what is expected of them or to greater employee satisfaction. For employee satisfaction. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. Sherry Ann Meyer, a lot of thoughts on the table here. What do you think? Well, I love what Caitlin just said because it really puts the ball on the court of the employee themselves to take some charge of their career. And I think that can be scary for people, for some individuals when they enter the workforce. Um, so I'd like to throw another ball out there and say that, You know, I'd like to see managers and leaders um, also return the same favor. Um, I don't think there's enough active performance discussions in the workplace. Um, I think that there's not enough of an open-door policy in many corporations that would make somebody feel comfortable to go in and say, I can't meet this deadline. Um, And so I think, you know, it is a two-way street. I love that Caitlin brought that out. Um, I also like what Kersey had to say, and I think that there's somewhat of a, a... paradigm change going on. What what we need to see in the workplace is not just, you know, offer me this uh, these great benefits or offer me all this time off or offer me what you think I want. Um, offer me what you think is realistic and what's going to really keep me here, what you're really going to be able to deliver, and not just a package that looks attractive on the table. Um, we're now at a point in time where worker employers actually want to keep their workers, which is a bit of a change. Um, there was a time when people were thinking, well, you know, we have so many, there's so many extra workers out there in the workplace. We'll just, you know, if you leave, that's okay. And now that's not so okay anymore. So I think what we're really looking for is a culture change in organizations to help understand where we're at with employees and employer relationship and to change that paradigm of thinking. I love that. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, Googling welcome packages and, and thinking, Sherry Ann, that when you come to work that first day after you've negotiated the position, negotiated the salary, negotiated whether you're working virtually or physically in an office setting or a combination and the benefits and all that good stuff and what team you'll be on, you walk in the door and things could be so very different. And that happened to me once where I thought I was welcomed uh, in a new company and uh, taking my marketing skills to a real, very pre- preeminent real estate company. And I walked in the door, Sherry Ann, and the first day 
a woman who walked up to me and said, I don't want you here. I don't like you. I think you're encroaching on my job. I'm going to do everything I can to make you miserable. Wow. And I'm sorry they hired you. And I went out in the parking lot. This was just early days of cell phones. <laughs> and I called my mother and I said, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I could think of because this one employee had taken, and we ended up being friends and I had nothing to do with her role. I was a writer and an advertiser. She was a party planner and, you know, a, a corporate event guru. She was fabulous at what she did. We had nothing in terms of my taking over her job or pushing her out. And we had a meeting of the minds. But sometimes, uh, going back to the word culture, I think I brought that up with Kiersey in the opening. Sometimes the representatives of the company's values panel are not the HR people. They're not the CEO. They're not the manager. They're just somebody who walks in and tells you they're uncomfortable with your being there. Any comments from the panel? Anybody ever had had a miserable experience like I did? I, I've had Kate? experiences like that um, yeah, where I me. think it's, you're really misunderstood, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the person that approaches you in that manner doesn't understand what you're trying to do, and so they, they jump to a conclusion. Um, and that's really poor communication and poor management style. Um, especially if it's done in a public setting, which which is what happened to me. Um, yeah, and I just I don't get the idea that anyone would treat a coworker or anyone else like that so unkindly or so thoughtlessly. Um, and I think there, there's something very important my daughter taught me um, mm-hmm. that's in a book called The Four Lessons, and it's that you know what other people say and do is a reflection of themselves, not of you. And I think sometimes you have to step back very carefully and remember that, remind yourself of that, that it's not you. Sometimes it's what the other person is thinking. Thank you. And by the way, that book, I believe, Four Lessons is by Liao Fan, L-I-A-O-F-A-N. The Four Lessons, is that the one, sherri Yes, that's the one. Born during the Ming Dynasty in 1550. Wow, very interesting. Thank you very much. That's a great reference. We'll have to do a show about that, sherri Yes, we will. Yeah, that's a good one. I think it is. Uh, Kiersey, any comments on this, what you brought up? Because I'm ready to dive into another topic from Caitlin's notes, but I want to give you a chance to anything else about unwritten rules or culture you'd like to add? Right. And, um, yeah, just to kind of piggyback on what Sherry was just saying about when a person may not give you very good feedback or not in a, in a very uh, you know, professional manner, so to speak, Uh I like to think of it also as opening up your perspective because it's typical for a lot of us if we're under stress, and I know a lot of us are because we're in a fast-paced environment, we may jump to conclusions when our brain is not really functioning in a way. When we're stressed, we're not functioning well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we may, obviously, we uh, think of something that's not really reality as the conclusion. So when I think of this, it's about taking a deep breath and kind of understanding the environment for that person to really question themselves, is this true? It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Yep. And I, I think, go, would you say, Kirsty, that also go along, going along with that would be walk a mile in the other person's shoes, try to see their perspective and where they're coming from or what they did or didn't know at the time? Absolutely. For seeing the yeah. whole situation for what it is and not just your own perspective and asking the questions. Like, yep. what, where, These when, are basic why. rules of good behavior. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
but don't we wish everybody had good behavior? What can I say? Caitlin, it's time to bring in the M word. I think you're going to talk about that. I'm looking at your notes and you say recruiting the top talent of the millennial generation. Hire early. Invest in technology. Those are a couple of your notes, but let me just read a little more. You say it is important to start the recruitment and hiring process early. Top talent from the best universities usually accept job offers by the end of the first semester of their senior year. Really, Caitlin, it's that's did that how it went for you with Deloitte? Oh yes, absolutely. I think that um, the majority of my friends in college as well that had the best GPAs, almost all of them accepted, um, this is a class graduating in May, most of them accepted their job offers by uh, November. So it's definitely absolutely important to start the hiring process early, especially if you're recruiting millennials out of the university. But I think that it's also very important to know how to recruit to the kind of top talent that you would like to acquire. And we are speaking a lot about millennials, but I think it's important to know that um, millennials are not always so different than the workforce as a whole. They think there's a lot in common that we have with past generation, and I think the needs of the workforce are changing. So when you are recruiting, it's important to think about um, that work-life balance. It's not all about the money anymore. People want a job with purpose, with flexibility, with responsibilities. So I think that the secret to attracting top talent is to create a workplace where employees of all ages can thrive. So it's important to remember that as you start your recruitment process. Oh, you are preaching to the choir. How old are you? You sound a lot, a lot more mature and worldly and wise. I think Deloitte made a good choice. When did now you graduated? When from college or from graduate school, Caitlin? I just graduated from college in May, so I'm 23. Congratulations! That's exciting, Sherry Ann. Words of wisdom from one of our real millennials. What do you have to say, Sherry Ann, about this early process of hiring? I think that's really important, and what's funny is it's really kind of a change. I think employers have gotten lax over the years, but Deloitte seems to have gotten it right. Um, I know Caitlin's class and the other um, students at other universities that have graduated with tech degrees especially, they are being recruited by the end of their senior year, um, even very early into starting their senior year. Um, and they've done internships already, and so, you know, they've had some experience, and companies know what they want. And very likely those internships will learn, will lead to full-time employment. So even talking about hire early, look at who you're hiring for interns and really pay closer attention to that. Um, many companies, you know, will end up keeping those interns on board. Um, and so that, that intern hiring um, or summer student or co-op hiring that companies do, also needs a, a closer lens on it, and I think sometimes they take that too lightly. Um, but, I, of course, I also love what Caitlin said about, you know, looking for jobs with purpose and flexibility and responsibility, and it matters to all to all ages. That's absolutely true. There are some cases where we really want those young people. I know I want those young people, as evidenced by who I have guest, guests on my show. I love their open experiences and love that they share them, but there's also times when you need the talent that somebody has that's older and you know they're looking for these kinds of jobs that you know it's not so much the money anymore it's really Mm -hmm. am i making a difference somewhere and does someone say thank you to me once in a while and are they respectful when i need some time (laughs) off yeah yeah, wouldn't that be nice? It's called being people, being a person, yeah. being part of a, a community. Kiersey Pollanen, love to have your comments. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree, especially um, on the topic of purpose. And I, I agree that it's, it's a part of the formula. It's definitely part of the mix. 
And there are great companies out there doing, you know, conveying that, obviously not just to possible candidates, but also within the company. I know of a Fortune 500 company where they are really translating their purpose to their employees, and that has helped them with employee engagement. Um, And they actually do it in the form of storytelling, which I think Mm. is really fascinating because it's the best way really to get people's buy-in. So people within the company are buying into it, but I can imagine obviously outside of the company that that can really draw people in. Interesting. Caitlin, any thoughts you want to add to this topic before we move on? Anything about, we've talked about finding them, getting them, hiring the best of the best from the best universities. Well, that leaves a large population of maybe not top talent, but certainly worthwhile, trainable, moldable, uh, culturally desirable people in the millennial ranks to bring into a company. But what about keeping them, Caitlin, before we move on to Sherry Ann's topics? What do you think is the way to keep them in that first, let's say that formative three to six months where their eyes are wide open and they're saying, well, you know, the old expression, Sherry Ann knows that fish are cut bait, meaning, well, I could kind of sneak out of here and quit if it's really that bad. Nobody will even know I was here uh, versus at the year point when they're really invested in their job and, and there's more to it. So, Caitlin, any thoughts on keeping the millennials? Yes, absolutely. So I think um, when it comes to retaining millennials, there's definitely some initiatives that companies can take. I think one big one is absolutely uh, mentorship within the company. And I know it's a big, I think it's a little bit of a myth. I've heard a lot of times people say that millennials need constant attention or love to have that feedback. And yes, we do. You know, I don't think it's quite as extensive as people say, but it's very important to have mentorship. I think anyone starting out their career looks for guidance and looks for someone to give them directions. So mentorship and also um, responsibility. I think that um, starting out a career, we want to we look for leaders that will trust in us a little bit and give us responsibility. I think millennials bring something a little bit different to the table in that we're usually very tech literate. We grew up our whole lives with technology. My, uh, many millennials, including myself, don't remember life before the Internet. So sometimes if a millennial comes in and they have an idea of how to improve a business process or utilize a new tool, um, definitely hear them out. It kind of give, builds trust between, your, between them and the leadership, and it also, every once in a while, we, we have a good idea or two. So definitely mentorship, responsibility, <laughs> and um, maybe the employee culture and giving them some goals. So I think that those are kind of the best ways to really retain millennials in the workforce. We just got the how-to here. Uh, Sherry Ann, any th- I heard somebody giggling in the background. What was the giggle that part? That was me. That was yeah. me. Um, it was Sherry. I, I think that you know, what Caitlin said is really, you might have some good ideas. Actually, I think you have a lot of good ideas, and that's something that's very near and dear to my heart. I don't think we listen enough to anybody. I think we're all in such a rush that we tend not to listen carefully enough or close enough or take the time to ponder what that person meant or build upon it. You know, I mean, there's some morsel of truth in something that everybody says, and if we could only learn how to take those ideas and apply them and build them into something worthwhile, I think we would be a much more innovative society. Thank you. Kiersey, any thoughts on this? We go around the table one more time. Oh, yeah. I'll just reiterate pretty much what Caitlin and and Sherry Ann had said uh, about listening. And this is what I also hear about millennials. I I'm kind of on the cuff myself, uh, mm-hmm. being a millennial, and it's. I agree. It's about hearing them out. It's about having a voice, letting them have a voice. And I know some companies where they have like a feedback box, uh, what they 
called voice box where people can, or particularly millennials, can put their feedback in this box and have a session afterwards where they are heard, where these ideas and comments are discussed. Or at open town hall sessions. I mean, there's so many ways, of course, of dealing with this or, or handling them all. Um, or it can be just a one-on-one conversation, obviously, with your boss. But um, one thing, and I think this is something that uh, a lot of companies, and especially the people here on the panel can relate to, is the trust issue, right? It's about being authentic. Leaders need to be authentic, and that goes not just goes beyond the leaders as well. I mean, when you think of all the generations within a company, it comes down to being authentic. Thank you. Sherry Ann, I have a question for you. This seems to me to take an enlightened HR leadership, and that's the title of your series, Game Changing HR Leaders. Do we have, and Stephen Hunt brought this up on, on my Coffee Break show earlier, are the right, it was either Stephen Hunt or Josh Burson from Burson by Deloitte. I think it was Josh. Do we have the right people in HR to be able to have these open, authentic conversations with the millennials, with the boomers, people who want more out of work than just a paycheck and a place to go every day? Sherry Ann, what's your thought on the status of HR leadership? Is it prepared? Are the right people in those offices? Earlier, and it was Josh who brought that up, and I was about ready to applaud him when I heard it because there may be enlightened HR leaders, but maybe they don't have time to really pay attention to what Mm. they should be paying attention to. Um, We're we're living in a world where everybody's doing more with less, and in a lot of instances, I see where HR hasn't given up on doing things a certain way and conforming to make the best use of their technology or whatever else, whatever processes they have in-house, so they don't have to have so many details on their plates. Um, I see leaders that at the top level are getting involved in too many details where they should be really putting the emphasis and the intention on being enlightened themselves, but helping managers being enlightened. We don't reward leaders in most organizations today for being a good leader, for representing the culture, for bringing others along. Um, And by the way, all these things we're talking about are not just about millennials. This is Mm -hmm. common sense practice, and we've been able to get away without paying too much attention to it for a while because of the way the economy was. Things are changing. We need everybody in the workforce. We need all these talents and skills. We need to hire the best and brightest. We need to use all the skills that are out there. And I think that's going to call for much more enlightened HR leaders, accountable leaders. Thank you. Kirsty, what have you seen in terms of enlightened, my, my term, enlightened HR leaders? Any Anything on the landscape from your viewpoint of My Orange Villa? Yes, uh, and this ties in very well with a conversation I just had recently with uh, the head of HR at one company. Right? He, After talking with me, he realized they have to be more in tune with their employees that they thought they had. And they've been doing a lot of great stuff. Don't get me wrong. They've been doing a lot of surveys. They have an open-door policy. They have a lot of one-on-ones. They want to really build a, a cultural trust. Um, but really did realize that they have to step it up. They have to take it to the next level because it is about authentic conversations. It's not so much about hiding behind fear and, and maybe just having a conversation and, and talking about the, the great successes. But it's also inviting the failures and the mistakes into the conversation and making it feel like it's not going to be, um, that there's not going to be a bad consequence, if that makes sense. That they can openly mm-hmm. share these um, situations also with their boss, with their team, or what have you. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. 
Yes, it does. And I want to bring in one more thing before I go to Sherry Ann's notes here about facing workforce shortages. We're going to get to that in a minute, Sherry Ann. The culture today of innovation, I think I brought it up earlier, fail fast, fail often, uh, let's all become design thinking experts or at least practitioners. What does this do for values if you're hired in one role and then you're told you're going to be part of a design thinking team? Is that always, and let's reference millennials because Kiersey said she's on the cusp, Caitlin is a bona fide millennial, Sherry Ann knows and, is, and has a mindset of a millennial I think very often. Um, what does this mean to you when you come into a company and they say, well, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing that? And then one day you hear, wow, we're so excited. We're putting you into an innovation group because you think so well out of the box and we value whatever you want to think about can help the company move forward. Is that a shock or a value, shall we say, a value twist? Sherry Ann, let's start with you. Is that a value twist that might frighten some of the younger workers who thought they knew why they were there originally? What do you think? I, I don't think that that would frighten anyone. I, I think that the idea of putting someone into an innovation group is, contrary to what we really want to achieve because we want everyone to be able to think in a more innovative way. So the way to do that, to my mind, would be to somehow use those people that do have great minds and think more innovatively to encourage their teams to think that way too Um, and to get managers, moreover, to think that way and to be able to identify those talents and skills in their team and use them cross-functionally, not keep everybody in their silos. Thank you. Kiersey, thoughts on that? Well, I, I agree with Sherry Ann. It's not something that's just, you know, you can't put innovation in a silo and say maybe and put it all on just one person. When you think of someone like Steve Jobs, he had a great vision, he had, but he had a team. He had other people helping him, obviously, and he was also able to motivate them and, and, and take his thoughts and ideas into something that's really tangible. And it's amazing what he's done. Um, but that's one example that I'd like to just bring out to exemplify the fact that it's not just on one person. So sure, he could take a lot mm-hmm. of credit, but yes. it takes an army. Yep, it does take an army. Caitlin, thoughts about that army? Yeah, so I actually, I completely agree with um, both Sherry Ann and Kiersey. I think that innovation really thrives in a team. And I think millennials as a generation, we're a very collaborative as a generation. We, we like to work in teams, and we're a generation that's always used to be connected. We always have our smartphone. We're used to be able to connect with friends and family from any location. And so I think that um, when you put um, a group of people in a setting like that and you give them a team, you give them an army behind them, I think it definitely facilitates innovation. Thank you. And I have a quick quote for all three of you. I think this will make you smile uh, when we talk about having those authentic conversations. The quote is, chocolate doesn't ask silly questions. Chocolate understands. I think we'll just leave that one. Somebody sent it to me. I tried to find the source and it's unknown, but Duncan Hines is quoting it as well on their Facebook page, as well as all kinds of chocolate companies. Sherry Ann, let's get back to our topic here. Sorry for the digression. Uh, We're facing work place workforce shortages. You say there weren't enough people born in the 1970s. The boomers are aging and retiring from their traditional jobs. I think that's an operative word. But Sherry Ann, you also say, ironically, companies are actually employing large numbers of workers over the age of 60 for the first time because they need workers, even though these workers are not exactly in what we would call their prime workforce years. Sherry Ann, what are you seeing? Well, I've seen um, in companies where they bring people back after they retire. I run into a lot of older workers who have started a second career late in life. 
Um, and, you know, they're very motivated to do the things they want to do. I also talk to a lot of younger people today who are motivated to save enough money so they can retire very early in their 40s and then go after a career that they really want to do, something that they're passionate about. Um, so it's a very interesting culture that we're in right now, and the fact that pension plans aren't big and playing um, big in the space of keeping people in their jobs anymore I think it's really going to continue to impact companies. Most of us baby boomers took jobs and had a pension plan, and you stayed there to get that pension, and you know you, you just never left. You got to a point where maybe you retired, but you stayed because you were raising a family and you had that pension. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same for this workforce coming forward, and it certainly isn't the same for people that are already retired from an employer and their skills are just needed in another organization or for another job. Um, so the game, the playing field has definitely changed for the, the employers um, and who they're looking to hire and how they're going to keep them and how and long they're going to keep them. And Sherry Ann, that goes to the question of how do you motivate? How do you, how do you put the values of one part of your workforce, one generation, one generational cohort, I'll call it, of your workforce, even though I know we're all in the workforce, we're all working side by side, but there are different value systems. There are different values that the boomers might want, maybe a little more peace and quiet. I don't know. I certainly don't, and I'm a bona fide boomer. Uh, and the millennials want more recognition, and they want to contribute. How do you, how do you have an HR leader who can look out over this sea of employees and say, we picked all of them because they add value. We're going to nurture them train them, love them, if you will. We're going to be like chocolate. We're going to understand and not ask silly questions and nurture them forward so our company can keep growing. How do you do that monumental task of embracing the values of everybody when they're so different? Sherry? Well, I think the differences is what makes companies stronger and makes them more profitable. So I think in a word, I would say it's respect. And I don't Mm. think it's just up to the HR um, individuals either to uh, be the ones that are, you know, making sure that people stay. It's up to them to make sure that they're training the leaders and encouraging the leaders to recognize what's valuable in someone, to treat that person with respect, to treat everybody as equitably as possible. Um, but I think we find a lot of our HR teams really hunkered down in executing policies. Um, so I would call upon HR leaders to, you know, be more of coaches to the leaders out there and cascade that that capability to be respectful to your workers and really make them feel valued. In many cases, it's a simple thank you. If you think about companies that were really successful, and I mean, I think we all think about Apple, and, you know, I've never worked there, but, mm-hmm. I mean, Steve Jobs was the icon for the company, Richard Branson for Virgin. He's the icon right. of that company. Um, and there's something about those people as leaders that their organizations respect, even when they're very demanding. Um, There's a vision that they can clearly see that they're supporting for that person, and they feel um, respected, thanked. Um, So I think um, that's where I see HR being able to have the biggest impact in retaining employees, is to be able to coach the managers and not let the managers and the leaders of the organization push HR around, but be able to stand up and coach those leaders to be respectful. Very well put. We all do want respect and recognition and appreciation. And that little tiny thank you once in a while, wouldn't that be like gold? It's time for us to slide into home plate or whatever sport you're playing today. So, Kiersey, 
Palinen at My Orange Villa. Let's start with you. I'm looking at, let's see, we've got about six minutes left. So I'm going to give you a full 90 seconds for your predictions. I like the year 2020. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. How far in the future are you going to look for your predictions, Kiersey? And what do you think will change about this conversation, any part of this conversation at that point in time? Kiersey Palinen, 90 seconds, predictions, go. Right. I think HR's role is going to start changing. It's already changing with the trends that we see taking place now. Uh, by 2020 and beyond, we're going to see, I believe, more freelancers and more consultants. So that means that for a company, these people are not obviously going to be under their wing. They're, these are freelancers that work for other companies as well or consultants. So that's going to change a lot of the dynamics around engagement um, and even what we're talking about today, obviously retaining them. Uh, so in short, in 90 seconds, I hope I cast <laughs> that in 90 seconds. Uh, you can that's do it. what I see is going to happen more and more. That's good. Take another 30 seconds. You got another sentence you want to add? We're good. We're good. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that, that pretty much sums it up. And I, I, I would say even across generations, I know we've been talking about um, older generations today and then millennials, and I believe this is going to be across all generations. Thank you very much. Very well put. And let's move to Caitlin Heckett, our bona fide 23-year-old millennial on the panel today. Do you hate the M-word as much as I've heard from other millennials, Caitlin? Should we just do away with it? What do you think? <laughs> well, I do. I definitely like to emphasize the fact that um, I think that millennials are not so different from past generations. So I think that, um, you know, it kind of using the the millennial word kind of makes us sound like we're not a part of the rest of the workforce. So I I do like being considered as one of of the workforce as a whole. So well put. I still don't think you're 23. You're just way too wise for that young age. So tell me, what are your predictions? Now I'll give you 60 seconds for your predictions. Go ahead, Caitlin. Great. So my prediction actually goes really well along with what Kiersey said. I think that in order to look to the future first, we kind of look towards the past. And I think that um, the HR leaders of yesterday really saw challenges arising with work-life balance. And so today we see a lot of companies that have implemented ways to address that issue with telecommuting and working from home. And so Mm -hmm. I believe in the next 10 years, um, the issue that HR leaders will address is really going to be employee, employee retention. I think that's the next big issue. But I think that HR leaders today already see that as a coming issue, and so I think that they are already addressing that problem. And so I think it kind of ties back with my opening quote about it's important to learn tomorrow's skills today. I think in this case it's important to start solving tomorrow's issues today. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. We already captured that for for prosperity and posterity on, on hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you very much. Sherry Ann, one quick question before you start your predictions, please. Uh, question is, management training programs, fast tracking up what we used to call the corporate ladder, is that going to work with younger generations in terms of retention? I don't know that fast tracking is going to be the answer. Um, I think it kind of failed for us in the past, primarily because so many people came of age at the same time, and everybody wanted to be that top dog, and everybody can't <laughs> all be that top dog. Um, I think it's going to be, we're going to see more of the jungle gym concept that people have talked about, where you're not really looking to go straight up to the top. We know everybody can't get there. We're really looking for having quality experiences along the way. Okay, and is that your prediction? I can still give you another 30 seconds if you want them, Sherry Ann. 
Okay, so my, I've been observing recruiting software for some years, and that's great technology that has helped us um, to gather recruiting info, right? But what I'm seeing and what I believe will be in Workforce 2020 is a real return to the personal touch. We're already seeing it somewhat through LinkedIn where we're using social tools to have interaction directly with people. Um, we're starting to understand that people want Despite all the technology out there, people want those connections, those real live in-person connections, and I think that that's going to um, override the technology. The technology will be a tool, but it won't be the be-all, end-all of recruiting. Thank you very much, and we need to do a show about that, Sherry Ann, about the tools. I (laughs) think that's that's a good topic for you. You are doing 13 episodes with me, and let me check my notes here. We are at episode number four. How's your series going, Sherry Ann? Any comments? Well, this has really been fun because, as you know, I like to engage people with different points of view. So it's not all about me. It's really about me getting to hear what other people have to say. Um, I think it's been going really well, and um, I'm hopeful that we can continue to do this perhaps in another series because I think these are great discussions, and this is really what people need to be able to talk about. I agree. Cross-pollination is good. Kiersey Pollinen at My Orange Villa, thank you so much. Caitlin Hackett, delighted to meet you. Keep going. You've got a great career in whatever you do ahead of you. I can already tell you that for sure. Sherry Ann Meyer at ASUG, thanks for sponsoring this series. And thank you to Justin, our engineer at the Business Channel on World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. What can I tell you? If you haven't been listening for a while, let's start all over again. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Be like Caitlin. Be like Kier- be like Sherry Ann. Go out and be a game changer today. Right now, I'm telling you. Talk to you tomorrow on the future of business with game changers. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. The best run businesses run SAP and run simple. Tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and Twitter handle R-E-C-H-A-R-G-E-H-R. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.